0: Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who, without works, trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do each week to join us here this morning and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I've only been confronted by angry neighbors once. And in fact, the one time that my neighbors got angry enough with me to confront me, they didn't even confront me. They confronted my sweet mother-in-law. There she was one day dutifully trying to tame my South Florida lawn. Now, see, the thing about South Florida is that the flora and fauna there are just more intense than they are anywhere else. If you're walking through a park in Louisville, a squirrel might run across the path in front of you. In Florida, that squirrel would be an alligator. In fact, in Florida, everything is sort of the alligator version of what we have in the rest of the country. Here we have stink bugs and roaches. In Florida, they have something called a palmetto bug, which is like a roach, only a little bigger. And when I say a little bigger, I mean, bigger in the sense that the children can ride them to school. (laughs) Even the plants are thicker, taller, stronger, and more dangerous. For instance, the grass that everyone has in their lawns in Florida is what I, coming from the Northeast, used to call crabgrass. And where I come from, it's a scourge, and homeowners do whatever they can to kill it. In Florida, that's your lawn. It lays thick like a carpet, and each blade is as sharp as a knife. You can't walk barefoot on your lawn in Florida. It's impossible. And it's not so much that it's uncomfortable, as you can't be sure if the ambulance can get you to the hospital soon enough to save your life. And not knowing what I was getting into, when I first moved to Florida, I decided, like any northeastern boy would, to take care of my own lawn. And this was a losing battle from day one. It only took four months for the grass to destroy my lawnmower. Four months. And it was sometime shortly after my lawnmower gave up the ghost that my neighbors came over to complain (laughs) to my mother-in-law about the eyesore that my lawn was becoming. Chastised, I hired a lawn service to care for my lawn. And this is what everyone in Florida does. No one is foolish enough to try to care for their own law, and everyone hires it out to the professionals. Well, except for this one house in my neighborhood. And it's this one house that ties my story back to our reading from Romans, uh, where St. Paul says so many incredible things in one paragraph, but two that really jumped out to me this week. First, this idea that where there is no law, There is no violation. And second, the idea that um, working for something and getting payment for work is not a gift, but it's what you're due. But that if somebody, by trusting God, receives without work, the trust is counted as righteousness. So as I tell the rest of this story, keep those two things in mind. The idea that where there is no law, there is no violation. And payment for work is not a gift. But trusting in God for a gift is counted as righteousness. Trust me, it'll all come together in the end. So there was this one house in my neighborhood, and probably every neighborhood has the one house, where the lawn is just completely wild off the charts. They didn't try to care for it in any way. It was crazy. I'm sure they had alligators and palmetto bugs fighting to the death in there. You'd never know. But then one day, a sign appeared in the middle of the lawn. And I was so curious, I had to pull the car over and get out to read what the sign said. And here's what it said. Quote, native plants bring life to this landscape. This quote, Florida-friendly property is a model landscape that conserves and protects our precious water resources and provides valuable wildlife habitat. It has been certified by Broward County as an official naturescape property. Now listen, I'm sure all of that is true. And what I'm about to say doesn't mean that I deny the value of protecting precious water resources and providing valuable wildlife habitat. But do you know what my first thought was when I saw that sign? My first thought was, what a great scam. (laughs) They probably printed that sign up themselves to stop the neighbors judging them for their disgusting yard. How can I get one of those signs? So my very first thought was that these people hit on a great scheme to justify letting their yard go to South Florida hell. It's not gross, they seem to be saying, we swear. It's supposed to be this way. So well, here's the point. There are two ways of dealing with your mess, whether that mess is in your yard or in your heart. You can hide it by hiring the pros, by getting a lawn care company to come and take care of it, or you can justify it by having it declared wildlife habitat. The Bible is clear about one thing. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. Remember last week, as we read from Romans chapter 5, as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, so death spread to the whole world because all have sinned. And St. Paul says earlier in Romans 3 that everyone is equally under the power of sin. He says that there is no one righteous, not even one, There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul is saying, we are all a mess. The only choice we have now is how we're going to deal with our mess. Are we going to hide it? Like the hedge fund manager who gets a $100 haircut every week to prove how together he has everything? I'm not a mess, he's saying. Look at my haircut. Or are we going to justify our mess? Like the wannabe Rastafarian who hasn't washed or cut his hair in a decade to prove how little he cares about what society says having it all together looks like. I'm not a mess either, he's saying. I'm countercultural. Do you see that either way, whether we hide our mess or justify it, the idea of having it all together controls us. This is how the law works. A contestant on this year's season of Top Chef, Shirley, spent the whole show talking about how winning would convince her Chinese mother that cooking was as valuable a career as medicine. Her mom wanted her to be a doctor. She wanted to be a cook, and she felt that only winning top chef would prove to her mom that this was worthwhile. So whether Shirley goes into medicine to make her mother happy or goes into a kitchen to try to prove her mother wrong, her mother is the controlling factor. And even if she'd gone the other way completely and become a marijuana salesman at Lollapalooza or something even worse, like an Episcopal priest, to make her mother angry, she would still be being controlled by her mother. This is what the law does. Whether we struggle to live up to its expectations or struggle to run away from them, we are struggling. And so... We are a mess. Whether we fight or whether we obey, the law binds us. It constricts us and turns us into a mess. And what we need is more than a good cleaning. We need freedom. Martin Luther, the great reformer, used the illustration of a lion tied down with straps. The lion claws and roars and bites, struggling mightily against the straps, and presented with such a scene, most of us would say, thank God for the straps, because if the straps weren't there, that crazy lion would eat me. But Luther says that we're actually misinterpreting what's going on, that it's the straps that are driving the lion crazy. You let the lion loose and it doesn't have anything to fight against anymore. The same is true for us, for you and for me. It's the laws in our lives, the constrictions, the weights that cause us to weep and rage and gnash our teeth. This is what St. Paul is getting at today in our reading when he says that the law brings wrath. But, he says, where there is no law... Where there are no straps, neither is there violation. We look at somebody acting like that lion, lashing out at everyone around them, acting scary, and we think, that person needs some boundaries. The truth is actually more like the opposite. We think people need more rules, more structure, more binding. But what people need is to be set free. When we lash out, when we rage and weep and gnash our teeth, we don't need to be further constrained. We don't need a straitjacket. We need freedom. We need release. We need Jesus. After all, it was Jesus who said that he came to set the captives free. He proclaims freedom to those of us held captive by the need to live up to the expectations of our parents, or held captive by the need to rebel against them. He proclaims freedom to those of us held captive by the need to have everything together, or by the need to show everyone how little we care about having it all together. He proclaims freedom to those of us struggling mightily to live up to the laws and standards of Almighty God. And he proclaims freedom to those of us who have found that weight too crushing to bear. And exactly how are people set free? Incredibly, says St. Paul in our reading today, not by working to earn their freedom. Remember what Jesus said, that though he had not come to abolish the law, the rules, the standards, he had come to fulfill them. And so the law turned its crushing weight on Jesus, not on us. As Isaiah says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. And so, in an ultimate and final sense, there is no law for us. It has turned its weight and wrath and condemnation on Jesus and was poured out on him. And so for us, who are in Christ, there is no violation As long as we are clothed by the blood of Christ, we cannot be lawbreakers. We are righteous. Back to St. Paul from our reading, But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. You see, someone who works to earn a wage is not free. They are bound. They have an employment contract, and their relationship to their employer is tit for tat. You do for me, and then I'll do for you. You work, sure, you get paid. No work, no paycheck. But the gospel, the good news, is that Our God relating to us through our Savior Jesus Christ is not a boss who pays us for work we've accomplished. He is a merciful King who calls us His children on account of Jesus' work accomplished for us. We are all used to and addicted to working for what we get. We love to earn our wages. We refuse to acknowledge our messes, therefore. We either hide them or we justify them because we're worried that they'll affect our paycheck. We're terrified that God will say, you know what, I'd rather reward someone who has their stuff a little bit more together. But that is not the gospel. That's bad news. Now, don't get me wrong. There is real bad news. The bad news is that you're a mess. But the good news is that comfortable word. If anyone is a mess, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the perfect offering for our mess, not for ours only, for the mess of the whole world. Amen.